There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week. And uh, I'm joined this week once again uh, by Alex Phillips, uh, who is isolating herself down in the West Country in Gloucester, uh, who is, of course, famous uh, as one of the many people who have appeared more than once on Plank of the Week. Alex, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Good afternoon. Happy to be on. Yeah, good. And you're joined by another man from sort of the west of London, I would say, down in Cornwall, uh, Mr Neil Wallace, uh, who is a tabloid veteran, a man that I've probably known for more years than I care to remember. Good afternoon, Neil. Good afternoon. I certainly have known you more years than I care to remember. (laughs) It's very true. Well, let's get straight to it, because as ever, there's been a hell of a lot of plankery going on uh, over the course of the last week. So, uh, Alex, let me ask you who your first nominee is. Well, rather than individual, I'm just going to go for quangos in general. Right. And basically, well, look, you know, I'm beginning to come around to Dominic Cummings' way of thinking when he, when he basically said Whitehall needs to be set on fire and we need to get some sort of innovators and lunatics in position. Yes. Because the response to the coronavirus crisis has been little short of inept. And I can only suggest that basically every single quango that's been involved in this has to take some of the blame. Um, I mean, for instance, I was just reading the response of Public Health England to a piece by Trevor Kavanagh in The Sun when he was saying there's been so much ineptitude, first in the private sector jumping up and saying we can make um, coronavirus tests. One company in Southampton has actually started exporting them to 81 different countries around the world because they haven't got a green light from the NHS. Then there's the fact that we exported a load of PPE to China at the start of the crisis when it was obvious it was going to come round to us. You've got the private sector Formula One teams making ventilators and then, you know, they haven't been approved and that's been a waste of time. And you look at Germany, for instance, who've got a far more devolved decentralized system and they've allowed regionally private laboratories to come up with covid tests and use them and you know implement a strategy at a more localized level without everything having to be controlled from the center and as a result being a bit more fleet of foot taking the odd risk but it's not a big dangerous risk but you know having a little bit of a go at doing your best in a crisis rather than being a bureaucratic pen pusher is working out for them so on that basis i want to put quangos in the bin they're my plank of the week what do you reckon neil well well it's a pretty wide field you're putting in that bin isn't it i mean i must confess that um the whole saga over ppe is sort of sent me all a bit uh, a bit potty really because uh, I think it's an immensely difficult uh, field 
because if you get this wrong, and and I, I read somewhere that one of the, they've had all these people and odd folks ringing up and saying, "We'll make you some PPE," but the problem being that you've got to get the PPE right for it to be safe, and the safety standards are very difficult. But <clears throat> if you take the simple generic point, should we bin uh, quangos? No, I'm right with you, Alex. Yes. Totally with you, and I think that there's no question that Whitehall, etc., has needed a, a, a rocket up it for a long time. And I too am a Dominic Cummings fan, and, and so you get my vote basically. Okay. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because they almost kind of self-generate, don't they? These quangos, because everybody who comes in to say we're going to have a bonfire of the quangos, it always turns out that after the bonfire of the quangos, there's more quangos than there were before the bonfire of the quangos. So I don't quite know uh, how that works. Neil, what's your first nomination today? Uh, well. My first nomination, I have to say, is a, a man who is a burning example of how not to be in public life. He's a guy called Richard Bergen. Oh, yes. Bergen. Uh, I'm not totally sure how you pronounce his damn name, to be honest. Uh, but he um, is quite literally uh, a grinning poltroon. The man <laughs> is a, an idiot of the highest highest quality and uh, so not surprisingly he was a big big supporter of jeremy of Corbyn. Course, yeah and jeremy corbyn thought he walked on water and in jeremy corbyn's administration he was the shadow justice secretary where he um basically uh just tried to rival corbyn with coming out with an ever more ridiculous series of announcements and beliefs and nonsense etc but this week on the, you know in the midst of the coronavirus he was he surpassed even his own level of stupidity he put out a list um on twitter saying what a disgrace look how low britain is um or, or rather, look how badly Britain is doing. We are just about the worst in the world uh, on coronavirus and produced a list of um, countries. And there we were. Britain, I think, was second from top in his list. Uh, <laughs> all doom and gloom. The only thing was he had sort of included um, Afghanistan and Lithuania and uh, Latvia and somewhere over there. And he totally left out of his list to try to make Britain appear to be the West. Uh, Italy, uh, Spain, <laughs> uh, France, uh, America, uh, China. Right. <laughs> and it was truly staggering. So on that basis, I'm sorry, I, I think he must be just about a shoo-in to be the plank of the week. Yes. That's my view. OK, Alex? Well, yeah, Richard Bergen is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't he? I mean, I've never met a more sort of inept and bungling politician in my life. There was that response to anti-Zionism when he said, I never said Zionism was the enemy of the peace, when footage had come out saying, with him saying those exact words. And you just think, oh, my gosh, does nobody brief this man? Right. But at the same time, yeah, he's a major plank. But being a bit of a righty, for me, he's a useful plank because he kind of represents that entire party. Not the entire party, that's a bit cruel, but a huge chunk of the party that have risen to fairly high office, who are from a mediocrity, basically, um, and, and keep the public aware that actually, you know, backing Labour is probably not a good decision for the rest of the country. No, absolutely right. Also, Andrew Neil pointed out that one of the countries that actually has performed better uh, than, uh, than Britain is Israel. 
But of course, Bergen is ideologically unable to write <laughs> yeah. the word Israel, so he couldn't put that one on the list. So, you know, he's still in acceptance of the old Jeremy Corbyn anti-Semite brigade. But there we are. Well, my first... And, and I have to say, just on what... Uh, and this is utterly gratuitous, and so we'll quite understand if I get shouted down. He actually looks a plank, doesn't he? He does. He's gorbless. He's stupid. <laughs> he, he he just looks wonky. He does. It's absolutely right. Fantastic. Very good. Yeah, do you know what? If he popped up on my bumble, I'd definitely swipe left. <laughs> well, he'd like that, though. He likes a bit I of a I'll tell you what, he's a classic example of as well. Would you believe he's a he went to Cambridge University and Amazing. graduated Amazing. from there. He's a perfect example of how intelligence or, or rather intellect does not equal intelligence because he is dumb. He really is. Well, my first nomination is got to be the head of the Metropolitan Police, and that would be Cressida Dick, because the Metropolitan Police, amongst others, have come in for a bit of flack lately because they keep going and interfering with people sitting in parks and telling them to go home, uh, despite the fact that they might have just sat down after doing a bit of exercise on a mat. And I'm not sure really precisely what the difference is between sitting on an exercise mat and actually exercising on an exercise mat, but, you know, <laughs> they're cool, me old-fashioned. Um, but Cressida Dick, uh, on last Thursday night, uh, decided to go out on Westminster Bridge with a bunch of her fellow Metropolitan Police officers and a whole crowd of people to clap the NHS. Now, the whole point of clapping the NHS uh, is to say thank you for all of the hard work they're doing uh, and we're uh, doing it outside of our homes because we're not really supposed to go anywhere. The idea that you then turn this into some kind of a trip to Westminster Bridge with hundreds of other people who are all standing far too close to one another, including the police officers, seems to me to be completely and utterly mad and also completely and utterly hypocritical. So Cressida Dick, I think, uh, has got just as good a chance as, as Richard Bergen has or even the Quangos have. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, do you know what? I'm with you on that because it is, it's one thing when the police are stalking parks in London and, dear God, if you sit on a park bench for more than 30 seconds, you're mm. harried back into your own tower block where you have to sit in misery in stifling hot confined conditions, um, five people to an apartment. So I'm totally with you when they, you know, treat everybody else with that level of stringency and application of the rules and then all sort of join hands together and, you know, for, for a photo op. But at the same time, you've got that scenario every time during the Notting Hill Carnival they're all out, aren't they? You know, twerking and stuff, rather oh, than yeah. making sure people don't stab each other. Mm. In the gay pride marches, you know, they're all there dressed as, you know, God knows what, rather than being sensible police officers. And you do think, particularly under her um, leadership, that the Met Police are more interested in PR publicity stunts than they are in actually doing proper grassroots policing. Yeah. I, Neil, I suppose where you are, they, they were necessary to stop all these idiots driving down there in their caravans and cars to try and spend Christmas, sorry, Easter in, uh, in Cornwall. Yes, they, did, they didn't work. I mean, what I had hoped with the um, Westminster Bridge thing was as soon as the clapping was over, all those coppers on those bridge on that bridge standing shoulder to shoulder with lots of members of the public, promptly turned to their left or right and said, right, you're Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would have been a good ending. Yeah, but the suggestion was that they, they quite literally have um, on the, the, the sort of two main roads into Cornwall, the A38 and the A30, that the police were literally stopping uh, cars um, with sort of canoes on the top or yeah. top boxes or caravans and saying, uh, where are you going? <laughs> it's amazing, and isn't it? What, what are you doing? Turn around, clear off. Yeah. Incredible. And as you wander around the lanes here, I'm in a very rural part of Cornwall, you do see signs on walls which are 
go home, right. stay home, yeah. go away, and right. they mean it. Yes, absolutely right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Who's your second nominee, Alex? Uh, well, you know, every time I'm on Plank Week, which is only one time before this, fair enough. But it's Meghan Markle. She's <laughs> back. She's up to her tone deaf operations once again. Yes, uh, she's been quite remarkable this week. Well, yeah, you would think when everyone is worried about, you know, catching a virus and they might have relatives who have caught the virus, friends working on the front line as medics, she thinks, oh, do you know what? I haven't had much media attention lately. I will use this period of time to sort of push out a promotional video for some elephant documentary she's done with Disney and then turn around and say to the four big newspapers, the four most read newspapers in the country, the tabloids, we're not going to work with you. When You're never going to have exclusives. You know, the relationship is over from here on in. And, you know, I mean, first of all, the timing is just abysmal, especially because it overshadowed good old Prince, um, Prince Phil crawling out of his cave and giving his own little <laughs> round of applause to, to key workers. Yeah. But... Also, basically, does she not understand PR? Having been the head of PR for a while for UKIP, which, believe me, is probably one of the hardest PR jobs (laughs) in the land, um, you realise that you get a roasting from newspapers. Remember that guy who turned around and said floods were caused by gay marriage? I mean, this guy had been a Tory parish councillor for years and years and years and was always writing letters like that to the local rag. Then he decided he was going to become a UKIP councillor. I think he self-appointed himself as UKIP. And then somehow he writes you know, the same sort of rubbish that he's been writing for decades, and it ends up a national news story. But you know what? If you turn around and say to papers, that's it, we're not working with you anymore, you don't get the game. Because at the end of the day, someone who's as publicity-hungry as the Duchess of Sussex needs the papers. She needs to be on those front pages. And she's been getting front pages. You know, you have to wonder whether sometimes it's a bit of a cynical ploy to keep her name up in bright lights. But actually, I just think she's a bit of a plank. Well, I think I can't disagree. Neil, you've worked for some of these banned newspapers, so you can stand up for them now. Uh, well, I've worked for most of them, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've, I've got to tell you that um, there are few things at my great age that uh, do um, 
strike me dumb, but that one, uh, the announcement um, just at the time of, what is it, the Queen's 94th birthday today. um, We're in the midst of this coronavirus horror, which absolutely isn't anything to, um, uh, to laugh about. But then uh, Megan thinks that it's a good time to bleed all over the uh, over the world, mm. saying I'm terribly badly treated by those terrible press guys, you know, who will have looked at that as I would have done, laughed and just carried on. Uh, the yeah. way I am. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I was reminded of that line, uh, I don't know how well you both know All the President's Men, the movie with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman about Watergate, but there's a there's a phone call that, that Redford makes to some guy to check a story um, who he's never spoken to before uh, and who says to him, if you print that, our relationship is over. To which Robert Redford says, well, excuse me, we don't have a relationship, which I think is what the tabloids would now say. I mean, I don't think there's any newspaper editor in London uh, who has ever had a phone call from Prince Harry or Meghan Markle since they got married to say, you know what, we'd really like to give you guys a story and some exclusive access to our pad in uh, California, uh, which is at the moment the Chateau Marmont, uh, where they're being looked after in five-star luxury uh, by the people who run the bungalows there, which is quite extraordinary. Neil, who's your second one? Well, I'm afraid I'm cutting across Alex here because I think Plank of the Week is Prince Harry. <laughs> because, because Meghan is not actually in this alone. And, and Meghan is basically just a publicity-hungry, self-obsessed, classic um, L.A., California girl, uh, me, 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 me. Um, who doesn't really give a monkey's about anything in the world, but Harry has actually been out there. Harry, I, I, you know, there's not one of us, is there, who doesn't admire his service in the military and thought what how fantastic he was. You know, the Invictus Games, yes. an amazing thing. And then he falls for this woman and sort of has ended up being a kind of toy boy, being dragged around the world as as she just throws everything he's ever stood for up in the air, and then when it comes down to her, jumping all over it gleefully, um, making it all about her. And frankly, Harry has stood there and watched it. And Harry uh, knows better, and Harry should have done something about it and manned up and sort of said, enough of this. My family, my background are worth more than this and are better than this. And so... I very, very strongly say, with respect, that he's more of a plank than even Megan is. Well, Alex, what do you make of that? Well, do you know what? For the first time, I'm going to have to disagree, and and these are the reasons why. First of all, I mean, look, we we know, don't we? We love Harry, but we know he's not the the sharpest tool in the box. We know that. You know, he's not the one who managed to, you know, go get a great degree at university, and sometimes you wonder if he can spell. But at the same time, we also know he's, you know, he's obviously damaged by his mother's death. I think, you know, he's, I think he's long wanted to probably have a good, stable relationship. And what he's done is he has put his wife and his children above everything else. Now, some people might say that that makes him a bit weak. But in this day and age, when actually society teaches men to go out and look after themselves because feminism's taught women that they don't need men and, you know, people aren't getting married anymore and divorces are happening left, right and centre and, you know, that sort of 
traditional family unit is essentially being eroded by culture, I think there's actually something quite nice and reassuring about seeing a man, regardless of how abominable I find his wife, say, do you know what, this is the most important thing to me in my life. And I actually wish more men had those old-fashioned values. Yeah, but you've got to know that there's going to be the, kind, the, type, the, the point of reckoning, isn't there, when he suddenly gets on a plane and flies home and just goes down to the pub in uh, Chelsea where he used to hang out with his mates from the army and he's just well, going to say, yeah, no, I don't, guys, I don't know what I was thinking. Why didn't you tell me? And they'll all go, we did. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I agree. Look, but like I said, he's not the sharpest tool in the box, is he? But at the same time, you know, one person's abandoning your country is another person's romantic sacrifice for the woman that they love. So. Yes, well, I had no idea you were such a romantic, Alex, but I'll, yeah. I'll take that on board Blank. for the future. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick, with, I'll stick with Neil's plankery, I think. Um, I'm going to go for the House of Lords as my second nomination because, as you probably know, uh, the Houses of Parliament reconvened after the Easter recess this week and the House of Commons... Uh, is going to be doing a sort of virtual question time, Prime Minister's questions and all that. Um, but the House of Lords, I don't quite understand why they're having to do anything at all. But the reason I'm putting them in the planks list is because they are uh, having virtual sessions. Um, and the peers who are going to be at those virtual sessions have demanded that they should get their daily allowance, which is 323 quid, even if they're just doing it from their, their sitting room on a laptop which seems to me to be entirely inappropriate. And the House of Lords' response has said, well, that's fine uh, as long as you make a contribution. <laughs> so uh, basically they can't do what they used to do, which is just to turn up in person, sign the register, go back out to the uh, the, the gentleman's dining club uh, and pick up the 323 quid that way. They actually now have to make some kind of contribution, which at the moment remains uncertain. But I don't see why we should be paying these bozos for sitting around in their palatial mansions, um, you know, phoning it in. Alex, what do you reckon? Well, you're right. It's, it's not as if most of the um, people who occupy the red benches are short of a bob or two, is it? Most of them have worked at the highest levels of their professions or been, you know, careerists with previous governments and therefore awarded the golden handshake. Um, so if, if anyone can afford to do the, you know, work hard for the good of the country during a crisis and should probably have life experience to direct them that that is the correct thing to do, it would be them. But to be honest, what did they do in the Lords anyway? A lot of them just turned up to the, to the tea room and then went and sat on the red benches and nodded off to sleep. I can't imagine they're doing much different at home. So, yeah, I mean, the massive planks have been forever. Plank of, plank of history, I would say, with the, with the Lords. Yeah, Neil, I can't imagine they're going to survive too much longer, are they, the House of Lords? Well, I hope not. What I was going to say, uh, Mike, that I, <clears throat> that uh, frankly, um, you don't really need to look at anything from this week, uh, particularly, to to vote them as planks. Yeah. Because I I just think the House of Lords is an anachronism. Um, uh, I think it needs to be totally, totally relooked at. I think it needs to be. Uh, enormously reduced, and it ought to be uh, appointed appointments for set periods of time, maybe five years, mm. and then they have to stand down. Um, I know a number of lords, actually, who were appointed on merit, who would probably have never been able to face or never been able to do an election campaign. Right. And so I see the virtue of a second chamber appointed from the the good. Mm. But it's the great that gets me. You know, all of these time servers who've been in uh, some minor backbench role yeah. for generations and are still there and all sorts of bozos. So... Um, I absolutely agree. Get rid of the Lords. Stick okay. them in the plank box. They're certainly in there. Uh, Alex, your final nomination. 
Well, this is a bit of a cheeky one because this is just a play on the words. And I just want to, you know, self-aggrandize a bit because I'm really proud of myself. Since lockdown, I've upped the game when it comes to my diet and my exercise regime. And part of my complicated Joe Wicks HIIT, uh, which is high intensity interval training, involves uh, a maneuver called the plank, which is really hard <laughs> to do. And I've managed to get well over a minute now. So plank of wow. the week has actually been executed by me in my living room with my septuagenarian mother. Can I just uh, the say? strength and endurance, Neil. What have you What have you got to offer in that department? Wowzer! I mean, that's that's very very impressive. And so you're able to do this despite despite the fact that you had eggs and avocado for breakfast. Well, yeah, it's the bloated stomach that actually props the rest of my abdomen <laughs> up. So it looks like I'm planking, but actually I'm resting on my big belly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you reckon, Neil? Who's your uh, final one? Uh, my, my final one for for this week is uh, a man called Keir Starmer. Oh, yes. Now, some of you may have heard of Keir Starmer. Um, sadly, too many of you. Uh, he is the new leader of the Labour Party. Um, and my dislike of him goes back a decade because he was the director of public prosecutions who effectively got me caught up in the hacking scandal. Oh, yes. Um, in newspapers, which ended up with me being arrested for base- and on bail for basically four years before I was cleared at trial um, at the Old Bailey after a month-long trial. And um, that had massive ramifications for me, as it did for dozens upon dozens of other uh, totally innocent journalists who were uh, kept arrest- who were arrested at dawn and were kept on bail and went to trial and then cleared. Um, but it's not just for that um, long, long grudge, uh, which I've nursed and held close to my chest for a long time, but he uh, is the guy who fought for the um, uh, pro-EU corner in the Brexit debate for Labour. Yes. Who, um, I mean, the one thing in his favour is is his obsession with... Uh, demanding a second referendum probably lost Labour many of those seats mm. that went over to um, went over to the Tories. I'm glad to say, uh, but now he's finally become um, leader of the Labour Party, basically by a campaign devoted to never actually having an opinion on anything. <laughs> so that he didn't alienate anybody. Right. And his first thing thing he's done since he was appointed was to order an inquiry into an inquiry. Uh, about something Labour did before they were effectively kicked into the long grass. Hopeless man, uh, a life of failure, but somehow, um, typically, some might say, as a leader of the Labour Party, he managed to rise. Well, I think he's a plank. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Alex, you got any uh, love for Keir Starmer? Uh, no, not not at all, really. I mean, I, you know, having, having been on the front line of that Brexit battle, he was a bit of a thorn in my side. But at the same time, uh, like Neil says, he's actually, again, a bit of a gift that, give, that keeps on giving because mm. he's, he's not exactly bringing traditional working-class Labour voters into the fold of the party, is he? He's, no. um, he's, he's keeping them all on, let's say, our side. I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to presume that we're on one team here of the political debate. Um, and also, he looks a little bit like a kind of fascist Ken 
doll. He's got that weird sort of slicked <laughs> yeah. over gelled hair. Yes. Very good. And looks like he should wear some sort of, um, I don't know, military uniform or something. Mm. And he's also got that similarly vacant Richard Bergen look about him. He always looks like he's being surprised by something that somebody said. And amazingly, this week alone, he's managed to uh, do what everyone thought was actually unthinkable, uh, which was to have even less popularity than Jeremy Corbyn. Now, the latest poll that's been done, uh, he's even less liked by people in the Labour Party than Corbyn was. So, I mean, he really is plank of the week uh, all, all round. My final nominee uh, is a bloke called Marcus J. Ball, uh, who oh, calls yeah. himself a lawyer. Uh, this is the guy who sort of took on Boris Johnson. On his Twitter page, he says that he prosecuted Boris Johnson for lying about £5 billion worth of public spending. Well, first of all, he didn't prosecute him. What he did do was he raised a load of money crowdfunding uh, from a lot of other sort of useless middle-class socialist idiots who thought it would be a great idea to try and get Boris Johnson locked up uh, instead of allowing him to run the country for which he'd been elected to do. Uh, he saved up a load of money and apparently blew it, I'm told, uh, on a variety of things, which included his, his own rent uh, and very possibly a skiing holiday. He's now on another... Uh, wasted journey because he's decided it's a great idea to write to St Thomas's Hospital uh, with, a f- with an FOI request, Freedom of Information request, to basically get them to reveal who the nurses are uh, who treated Boris Johnson because he doesn't believe that they exist. Uh, also, he wants to see Boris Johnson's um, private medical file, which, of course, is, is a completely confidential because it would be anyway. Um, so he's on another loser, um, and he's one of these guys that's perpetuating this ridiculous myth that Boris Johnson never was ill, never really was in um, you know, St Thomas's, as if they took him in uh, the front door and then took him out the back door and then took him back home and pretended he was there for you know a week and a half when, in fact, he, there was nothing wrong with him. So it's quite an offensive thing to do. But this guy clearly is an absolute and utter plank because, you know, one, he's driven by this mad desire to hate the Tory party, which is always a bit deranged. And, you know, he's clearly uh, off his rocker. Alex? Yeah, no, I mean, what can one answer to that? I always derive a degree of entertainment from a conspiracy theorist, but what I find utterly abominable is when people turn to, you know, poor saps who read this stuff and believe it and then try and get money out of them. I mean, that's worse than, you know, going around and selling someone dodgy goods in the back of a van. I mean, when you're actually getting people to crowdfund things like that, it's, I mean, that that is just deplorable. And, yeah, I mean, as, as entertaining as conspiracy theories are, it's not the time, it's not the place, and it's not the subject matter no i think you're absolutely right i'm sure you would agree neil um i think that this is a guy with a hunger for self-publicity that uh, could rival Meghan markle <laughs> um, but the problem being that um in his sort of lust for fame what he's effectively doing is defaming just about everybody who works at st thomas's hospital all of those you know people uh, in the NHS there, the nurses, the doctors, the porters, everybody would have had to have been in on this conspiracy. And the suggestion that they all happily went along with the idea uh, of uh, such a vile lie, uh, I think is actually uh, shocking. And um, uh, he really needs, uh, you know, putting in the plant box. Yes, I think he really does. Uh, right, now, this is the bit that gets a bit uh, complicated because what we do now, Neil, is we basically get each one of us to pick the fa- our favourite one of those three guesses, uh, those three nominations from each person. So why don't you pick your favourite Alex nomination? So, Alex, why don't you tell Neil what your three are? 
Uh, it was Krangos in general, um, uh, Meghan Markle, and then my own heroic feat, uh, actually more my mum's heroic feat, <laughs> who is 70 years old, of being able to do a good old Joe Wicks plank in the living room. Okay. What do you reckon, well, Neil? terribly impressed by um, the uh, your own version of planking. Um, have a uh, deep um, uh, affinity for your views of uh, Quangos, <clears throat> but it's got to come down to Megan. I think I think that's uh, that's a very good choice. So uh, Neil, I'm going to get you um, uh, to choose. Uh, sorry, I'm going to get Alex to choose her favourite one of mine. So I've got Cressida Dick, I've got the House of Lords, and I've got Marcus Ball. Which one of those do you want to put through? It's got to be Marcus Ball. I yeah. mean, look, the others. The others are, are pretty deplorable characters who have um, who just sort of think of themselves above anything else. But Marcus Ball, being a conspiracy theorist, is nothing short of a total and utter plank. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, so I've got to choose yours then, Neil. So tell us what your three were. My first was um, Richard Bergen. Yeah. My second was Prince Harry, uh, grow a pair, and um, my last one was the dreadful Keir Starmer. I think it's got to be Starmer. And I say that out of loyalty to not only you, but to all of the other people who were treated so terribly during that time, uh, of sheer bloody-mindedness and, and revenge, frankly, from Gordon Brown and his crowd. But uh, So now we have the final three. We've got to lose one of these now, uh, if we can all agree which one goes. So we've got Marcus Ball, Keir Starmer and Meghan Markle. One of those, whichever is the weakest, becomes the number three on the list, and then the final two battle it out. Alex? That's difficult. I, I'm fine. I, I know who, I, who I know who I find the biggest plank of those three, but I, it's a bit it's a bit difficult between Keir Starmer and Meghan. But I, I would uh, they would be my sort of bottom two. So, but I would probably say Meghan's worse than Keir Starmer. Okay. So what you want to kick Mark Starmer out? Yeah. Well, no, I don't want to. I want to keep him in there. But oh, right. I've got to, I've got to kick someone. I don't. I don't know. Ah, difficult. Starmer. Starmer goes out. Starmer goes out. Okay. Uh, do you agree with that, Alex? Uh, sorry, um, Neil. Because um, you could nominate somebody else if you want, and then and I'll have the deciding vote. Oh, really? Yes. So you get to make the big call. Well, it's my show. Oh, is it? <laughs> yes. Nobody mentioned that to yes. me. Well, um, you know me. I don't well, like. To, I don't like to be in anybody else's uh, show. Only like my own. <laughs> I I think uh, I'm going to kick out Megan. Okay. Because Megan is the gift that keeps on giving, and I guarantee that if I'm uh, if, if me and Alex are lucky enough to be on this show again, uh, she will almost certainly have found a way to thrust it away into the nominations. So um, on the grounds she's probably been planked before and the grounds that she'll probably be planked again, yeah. I take her out this time. And she can still be number three, so it's not too bad. And you might be surprised to know, actually, that Keir Starmer's appeared quite frank, quite quite often on the planks list. But oh, I'm going to actually uh, stick with, with Neil on this, Alex, I'm afraid. Um, and it's got nothing to do with the fact that you called me old before when I wasn't listening. Um, I'm going to suggest that, uh, that Megan goes in as number three. So the final is between Marcus Ball and Keir Starmer, and I'm going to nominate Marcus Ball. Oh, it's, it's hands down Marcus Ball. Absolutely, all the way. We're knobs on. It's Marcus Ball. Okay. Well, that's already I, two votes. Should we make it unanimous? I really, really hate to say this, but oh yeah, Marcus Ball. Every time, I must say, he 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 brings a level of vileness and unpleasantry and um, sheer corruptibility, really, in the fact of what he's uh, how he's abused um, all of this. Uh, to say yes, Marcus Ball. 
Brilliant stuff. Well, Marcus Ball, you are the plank of the week. You should be very proud of yourself, you complete plank. Guys, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more plankery uh, and more guests. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.